Saul, Saul initially left Jerusalem thinking he was going to strut into Damascus. You see, he had authority to arrest Christians. And I'm sure he thought, these Christians, they are going to fall before me in fear. And he was going to show them, you see, he was going to show them the error of their ways. But something happened on the road to Damascus. Because on the road to Damascus, Saul fell to the ground. Because the risen Lord Jesus came to him and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And with that, the risen Jesus revealed to Saul the error of his ways. And so Saul did not end up strutting into Damascus in weakness. He was led by the hand into Damascus. It was an exciting conversion. It makes a wonderful story. But I think we must not forget that conversion for Saul meant having his entire life deconstructed and reconstructed. Because conversion for Saul meant that he had to give up everything that once motivated him and everything that gave him standing in community. And so here's the question that is before us. Was it worth it? Saul, when he was converted to the Lord, when he became a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, he had to give up everything that made him him. Was it worth it? Well, you must decide this morning. Because the first thing we see here in this passage is that Saul became Jesus' servant. Note how Saul was blind for three days after encountering Jesus. And he was shaken to his core. You see, he had devoted his entire life to study the scriptures. And he had actually earned for himself the enviable reputation as a leading scholar of scripture. And yet when he encountered Jesus, he realized that he had completely missed the point of Scripture. Because you see, all Scripture, they bear witness and testimony to Jesus. All Scripture point to Jesus. That is to say, when he encountered Jesus, he realized for all his reputation as a leading scholar of Scripture, all the years that he had spent studying Scripture, he had utterly missed the point because he did not know Jesus. And after meeting Jesus, it became painfully clear to him that he had actually failed in the very thing that he had considered was his greatest accomplishment. Not only that, when he met Jesus, he realized that his whole life was a train wreck. You see, he thought that his zeal against Christians and persecuting them was doing a service to God. He thought his hatred, his vitriol against the believers would 
honor God. But everything that he did, thinking that he was serving God, turned out to be a rebellion against God. And so I think what we see here, when Paul could not see, for three days he's absolutely traumatized. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. This is a man who is dealing with the reality that his whole life is falling apart. That everything that he had known and believed, everything that he had lived for were wrong. But where Saul's sin increased, God's grace abounded all the more. And Jesus sent Ananias. And by the way, who is Ananias? Ananias was one of the Christians that Saul had come to arrest and drag away. And understandably, when Jesus sent, said to Ananias, go to Saul, he was hesitant. Are you sure, Lord? I've heard about this man. I'm sure there was a lot of fear. But Jesus said, go and Ananias, as a faithful, humble, and obedient disciple, he went to Saul. And we see something wonderful and beautiful because the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ was lavished to Saul by the very hands of Ananias that he had come to bind. And it seems that had a very powerful effect upon Saul. And immediately we read, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues. You know, the very synagogues that he was uh, he was traveling to in order to arrest the believers. But immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues saying, He, Jesus, is the Son of God. And so what happened to Saul defies every human logic and expectation. And that is why all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? Here, I think we need to take a little pause and think about something that is very important because Saul's conversion is a very illuminating case study about what we often think about our righteousness and God's grace. Uh, perhaps next Sunday when we talk about the Reformation, I will have an opportunity to dwell on this a little bit more. But what is central in the mindset and the thinking of the Roman Catholic Church, which is also very much present in many professing Christians, is that they think that our human efforts carry us part of the way to God. Our works mostly get us there. Yes, we need God's grace, but we need God's grace because our works have mostly brought us to God, and we need that grace to fill in the little gap that we could never manage to quite fill. So the picture that people have, certainly in the Roman Catholic Church, and for many professing believers, is that we bring so much to the table. Sure, it's not perfect, but it gets us far. Our accomplishments, our skills, our gifts, our abilities, our zeal. But see what happened here. Saul's achievements and zeal 
did not bring him almost to Christ. All his considerable gifts, skill, and knowledge, in fact, drove him in the opposite direction, farther and farther away from Jesus. That is why we can never think that what we bring to God bring us mostly there to God. Because everything that we have in us, in ourselves, they actually have the tendency and the effect and the power of driving us away and further from the Lord. And that is why Jesus deconstructed and reconstructed Saul. And what's really amazing and fascinating here is that before Saul encountered the crucified and risen Lord, all his gifts, all his skills, and all his knowledge were driving him away from the Lord. But when the grace of the Lord Jesus came to Saul, when he bowed his knees to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Saul's gifts, his knowledge, his abilities are set on fire for the Lord. Grace claimed Saul and everything about him, and Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. So was it worth it for Saul to have his whole life turned upside down, to lose everything that made him him? What do you think? Secondly, Saul found a community. Saul found a community. We read here that when many days had passed, uh, when we read Galatians chapter 1, we read that Saul, uh, after his conversion, stayed in Damascus for uh, some days, and then he left for Arabia for three years. And this is what this passage is referring to. And it seems to me the purpose is just as the 12 apostles spent three years learning from Jesus, Saul, after his conversion, goes away to Arabia for three years to learn from the risen Lord Jesus, to learn from Jesus how to understand the whole scripture as he had never done before under Gamaliel. We know something about uh, Saul's biography, don't we? He learned under the most renowned Pharisee scholar, Gamaliel. But under the tutelage of the most renowned scholar, Saul missed the whole point of Scripture. But after encountering the Lord, he learns to see the Scripture in a whole new and different way. But after the three years, it seems that Saul's new allegiance to Jesus made the Jews furious. So we read the Jews plotted to kill him. So his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Apparently Saul was very busy these three years. He wasn't just sitting around doing nothing and introspecting. Uh, During these three years, he was proclaiming Christ and he was training his disciples. And as Saul's old community turned against him, a new community in Christ 
came to support him and surround him. And Saul then returned to Jerusalem. And remember, he had left Jerusalem to hunt Christians. And now Saul returned to Jerusalem as a Christian. But his reputation preceded him because his reputation as a persecutor was not easily forgotten. And the believers were all afraid of him for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But you know, God's grace often comes through the body of Christ. And we already saw that, didn't we? When Saul was utterly shattered and broken to pieces, it was faithful, courageous Ananias who came to Saul, who had come to do him harm, but he came to Saul with the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. And after Ananias, when Saul's old community turned against him, Saul's disciples, his brethren in the Lord, brothers and sisters, they protected him, they sheltered him, they saved him. And now Barnabas, and we will hear much more about him in the future, Barnabas came to his help. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And it was through Barnabas' loving, bold ministry that Saul was embraced into the church. And I think this is really important for us to think about, especially in this post-COVID-19 reality that we live in, because COVID-19, it really exacerbated, it made worse the tendency to think of the Christian faith in a very individualistic and a consumeristic way. You see, what happened during COVID-19 is that many churches, including ours, uh, being unable to meet together, we, we started live streaming. And uh, for a time, it was the thing that needed to be done. But what many churches are discovering today is that people are not coming back to church. Why? I mean, why go to church when you can sit comfortably on your couch and watch the worship service online? You get your weekly religious fix. And if your pastor is not cutting it for you anymore, you know, you're just one Google search away from finding a thousand different religious products to choose from. And so in this COVID-19, post-COVID-19 world, what we have always recognized has become an unavoidable reality. So many people think about uh, Christian faith in terms of an individualistic way. It's, It's my spiritual fix, that's what I need. I can get it sitting at home. Now it's one thing, if due to illnesses, from, because of circumstances and providence, you cannot come to worship at church. That's a totally different thing. But it's a different thing altogether if all you need or all you are hoping to get out of the Christian faith is your religious hit, which you can get by staying home watching TV. That's thinking of the Christian faith in a very individualistic way, isn't it? And along with that, this whole habit or the tendency and the trend of uh, channel surfing, 
for preachers and sermons. It tends to reinforce the mindset that Christian faith is nothing more than just another product in the marketplace of religion for you to pick and choose whatever suits you the best. But note Saul, like all New Testament Christians, embraced the body of Christ and the church embraced him. They shared life together and they served the Lord together. And so we read, he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And not only so, he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. If you remember a few chapters prior to this, we first met Saul when he sided with the Hellenists who were murdering Stephen. But now the Hellenists are out to get Saul. Saul has changed his allegiance and they were seeking to kill him. But once again, the body of Christ was with him. And when the brothers learned of this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. What that tells us is something really important. Saul's growth and usefulness would not have been possible without the body of Christ. Saul's growth, his usefulness, would not have been possible without the body of Christ. So let me ask you once again. When Saul became a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, he lost everything. His career prospect, his community, his people. What he gained instead was a new community who would love him, who would protect him, who would shelter him, who would nurture him. Was it worth it? And that is the question with which we end. Was it worth it? Once again, when Saul became a follower of Christ, he lost everything. What he thought was his greatest asset, what gave him standing in community, what motivated and drove him, everything that defined him were all taken from him. But how can this be something we find even remotely desirable? What sense does it make to lose our cherished identity for Christ? Well, it makes actually perfect sense. And I think it's very helpful to hear from Paul himself because in Philippians chapter 3, Saul addresses this directly, and it is a bit of a lengthy passage, but I think it's so helpful for us to hear the entire thing. So let me read to you Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 4. Saul says, If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the peop- a tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, 
blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You see, for Saul, following Jesus meant giving up everything, including what made him him. And that is actually true for every disciple. And that is exactly what repulses us because we do not want to give up what we cherish. We do not want Jesus or anyone to make such demands on us. But what Saul is saying here is that Saul came to see that the things that he once held dear were all rubbish in view of what he gained in Christ. And this is the sense it makes. We give up trash in order to gain a treasure. We consider everything as rubbish in order to gain the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Because this is the exchange in which we give up sin and we receive righteousness. You see, our works, our righteousness don't bring us mostly to God, far from it. They drive us away from God. But the righteousness of Christ that we receive, that brings us all the way to God. We give up death, and we receive resurrection. You know, we are actually not whole, and we are actually not beautiful, as long as we remain the product of our own scheming and lust. That's what life is built apart from the Lord Jesus. Our life is a, is a complicated mess of our lust, our fears, our neuroses, our scheming. And we think that's really beautiful. We think that's so priceless. We hate to give it up. We resist giving it up. And what we fail to remember is that our lives apart from Christ, you and I apart from Christ, we are all like that emperor with no clothes, lying and being lied to about how beautiful we are. And we convince ourselves, we got it worked out. We're so amazing. We're so awesome. And we forget that sin has left us profoundly broken in this world. And our future is 
absolutely hopeless. But it is Jesus, Jesus who clothes us with His righteous robe, and it is Jesus who gives us the hope of glory. And if we have this incomparable treasure, everything is rubbish in comparison. Jesus deconstructs; he reconstructs. He pulls down what is shattered so that he may build what endures. That is why the call to discipleship is so daunting at first, but ultimately so liberating. Jesus says to you, to everyone who would be his disciple, die. Give up everything. Take up your cross and follow me. Whoever would choose to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Give it up. Die. And we're so unhappy about the prospect of losing ourselves because we think what we have is so precious. But it isn't. It's what Jesus gives us that is of incomparable worth and beauty. Who, who in their right mind would not give up, give up rubbish for treasure? Are you holding on to rubbish? Is there anything that you will not, you cannot, fathom giving up for the Lord Jesus Christ. You think it makes you, you, uniquely you. And perhaps it does, but it's the you that is headed for death. Why would you hold on to rubbish when Jesus offers you treasure? Because that's what it means to follow Christ. Amen. Now let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you call us to follow you, to give up everything, to lay everything at your feet. And we are afraid of what that might mean, so long as we don't remember that you will never be our debtor, so long as we forget that, that you will never take away from us without giving us something greater and more. So Lord Jesus, we pray, help us. Help us to see clearly as Saul was made to see clearly that in you, we find our immeasurable, incomparable treasure. And it is our joy to take up our cross and follow you, no matter what it may cost us for a little while, that we may be with you in glory and enter into resurrected life. Thank you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your precious name. Amen.